When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. I started the podcast singing. I'm sorry. Hey, my cat, a good tour is in full effect now. Catch me May 6th at the Varsity Theater in Minneapolis, May 20th at Littlefield in Brooklyn, June 4th at the Showbox in Seattle, June 10th, two shows at the Magic Bag in Ferndale, just outside of Detroit, June 11th, the Granada Theater in Dallas. More dates will be announced very soon. Uh, I also want to say come see us at NerdMelt uh, if you're in Los Angeles. May 2nd, we'll be doing a live podcast with Kevin Pereira. And then May 12th, we're going to be doing an Aussie-themed podcast with Rove McManus. Uh, and also there might be uh, an Australian band there as well, uh, which I will hopefully be able to announce later. Uh, beyond that, hop on over to Facebook and jam the like button with your floating cursor finger uh, at facebook.com slash Nerdist. Also, we just started the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Nerdist as well. And now, this podcast. This is super exciting. For since the beginning of the podcast, uh, I've been trying to get Jimmy Fallon on, but obviously uh, we are geographically challenged and the podcast is not set up to take phone calls. So uh, a couple months ago, the Paley Center for Media, uh, there's uh, one in L.A. and one in New York, they do this thing every year called Paley Fest where they do these panels of amazing television shows. Like this year they did uh, Walking Dead, Freaks and Geeks, Supernatural, Eastbound and Down, uh, uh, Idol, Community, Glee, Raising Hope, Parks and Rec, Hot in Cleveland, uh, True Blood, and they did uh, a tribute to Jimmy Fallon, and they asked me to moderate it at the Saban Theater on March 11th. Uh, I was beyond ecstatic. Uh, they told me that I would be, would be able to, in fact, put it out as a podcast, and so this is what I've done. So thank you so much to the Paley Center. Uh, they're at paleycenter.org, P-A-L-E-Y, center.org. It's formerly the Museum of Television and Radio. Uh, they have over 158,000 hours of television covering almost 100 years of television that they make available, uh, similar to a library, public affairs programs, documentaries, performing arts, uh, everything. And it basically is uh, a center that helps generate conversations about the cultural significance of, of media, emerging media, television, radio. So uh, check them out again at paleycenter.org, and thank you to them. Also... We have another sponsor this week, keeping the Nerdist train afloat. What? Afloat? Yes, it, we are on a floating train. That is why it is so expensive to keep this thing maintained. You know how heavy those are? They don't want to be buoyant. So this episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. All computers now basically will die. 
in not a lot of time. It seems like machines are just designed to expire quickly, uh, like milk, so that you'll have to buy new ones. But the important thing is, when your computer crashes or gets infected with a virus, is your stuff backed up? This is, I cannot stress to you enough how important it is to back up your files regularly. Carbonite.com will help you do that. They will back them up uh, online and then you have anytime access to your files from any computer on your smartphone or your iPad with their free app. Unlimited backup is just 59 bucks a year. That is less than $5 a month for the security of your files. Start your 15-day free trial today at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIS and you'll get two free months if you decide to go ahead and buy. That is Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIS and we thank them with giant hugs. And now here's the Nerdist Podcast episode number 82 with the delightful and bubbly Mr. Jimmy Fallon. He's so nice. Now entering Nerdist.com. Okay, so now it's time to begin the program. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you our moderator for tonight. You may recognize him as the host of MTV's Singled Out, or, yeah, <laughs> or the host of PBS's Wired Science, or if you're like me, you've seen him on G4 on Web Soup, which is very funny, <laughs> or on Nerdist.com. Wherever you recognize him from, what you probably remember most is how funny and really great he is. So please give a warm welcome to Chris Hardwick. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hi. I'm enormous. Um, let us get this out of the way. I did not ask for Singled Out to be brought up. Uh, that just happened. It was an awkward moment for all of us. Um, I don't want you to think that I'm still trying to suck off the teat of that show, which existed in the 90s, well before many of you were born. Uh, all right, so uh, let us get in. I, I'm going to moderate tonight and steer this ship into awesome town, and I'm so excited. I've known, I've known Jimmy for quite a long time, and he's, he's one of my favorite people, and I love watching him, so I was honored that the Paley Center asked me to do this tonight. So uh, I've written an intro. Strap it in. The date was September 19th, 1974, in a rundown Brooklyn hospital, when a young woman named Gloria Fallon, who after anywhere from one to 4,000 hours of labor, <laughs> gave a final breathless heave and a new son, James, came dancing out of her womb. <laughs> the angels wept at his beauty. <laughs> the sky sang in harmony with the sea, and the planets aligned that they all might catch a small glimpse at this human gift whose light made even the sun itself burn with envy. Some other stuff happened for a while. And then on March 2nd, 2009, <laughs> Late Night with Jimmy Fallon premiered at 12.35 a.m., 11.35 Central Time. <laughs> Similarly birthed by a breathless mother named Lorne Michaels in a hospital known as NBC. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Mr. Jimmy Fallon! Thank you very much. Hey, what's happening? 
Oh, my man. Thank you, buddy. Of course. I appreciate it. Thank you, please. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello. Thank you. Please sit down. No, 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 no. Thank you so much. Please, please, please. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to say I want to thank the, 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 the Paley Center for doing this, 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 this honor. This is quite amazing for me because uh, some kid who, who might, in the future, he's going to have a talk show mm -hmm. and he's going to want to know how to, to do it and all the mistakes and, and learn. And he'll go to the Paley Center and he'll watch this video. And I just want to say hi. Uh, <laughs> the year is 1992 and I'm Pat Sajak. Uh, here is, no, I just want to say uh, uh, good luck. Go host the best talk show and, and be better than I am, please. And just do Thanks for coming out tonight, everybody. We should. I gotta say, my favorite thing was that, you know, every, everyone stood up. This gentleman right here stood up, but he wasn't clapping. I guess he was just like, I guess I'm supposed to stand. <laughs> Hi, give it up for Chris Hardwick, everybody. How great is this guy? Oh, He's the best. So nice. Thank you for doing this. Thank you guys for coming out. And, uh, and, and really, I, I, I love the Paley Center, so I, I'm really psyched that this is happening. I drive by this building all the time, and I always want to go in. So, uh, Saban? Yes, the or Saban the Theater. Center. The, the, the Paley Center is in Beverly Hills, yes, and, and so the, the, the Saban Theater. Was this your first time working the Saban? Yeah, it's my first time working the Saban. Oh, you're going to love it. It's a little bit bigger than the punchline I played last week. <laughs> uh, so I want to, just a little bit of background. Uh, how, how did, where'd you start comedy? How'd you start comedy? Who were your influences? Uh, I mean, it's kind of, the, my story, I'll, I'll do it pretty, as quick as I can. I, I uh, started in high school. I was 17. I did impressions. Mm -hmm. I did at a local comedy club. My mom heard about an impression contest on the radio. And I, what was I, the name of the club? Bananas. Bananas. <laughs> yeah, bananas in Poughkeepsie, New York. And uh, I did a two-minute contest. Uh, uh, a bunch of, I had a troll doll. And I did different celebrities doing a commercial for the troll doll. So I did like Bill Cosby going like, wouldn't you look at the doll with the hair and his lip hair down? And, you know, or Seinfeld going, who does this hair? What kind of hair does this doll have? <laughs> who plays with these types of dolls? You know, and, and, and so I ended up winning the contest and I got like $700. And I go, wow, if I can make $700 in two minutes. This is like, <laughs> and I was 17 years old. I go, I got to do this. And so... Uh, then it threw a, I went to college in St. Rose, and I did, I did, thank you, one person, right, I love yeah. it. Um, they represent all the way out. Too. You got to go out there, you're going to be the only one. You, you better laugh. Yeah, like, heard it. Uh, but I went, uh, I worked at a, uh, a newspaper when I was in college, like, it's called Metroland. It was like an L.A. Weekly type of paper. Okay. I was a receptionist, and the, the guy who owned it and ran it, his name was Peter Islin, was moving out to L.A. to become a manager. And so I gave him my tape and resume. And, uh, and a picture of awful headshot with too much makeup on. I look like a, I look like a woman. It was awful. It wasn't. Was it one of those? Was it one of those old school four panel ones where you're like, I play baseball. I'm a librarian. <laughs> I'm an old Tommy yeah. British man. Yeah. This is international. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like that. It was awful. Um, but he brought it out to LA. He was a man of his word. Uh, brought it out and introduced me to uh, this girl, Randy Siegel, mm -hmm. who became my manager. And Randy. Uh, had me move out to L.A., and she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be on Saturday Night Live. And she goes, no, seriously, what do you want to do? I mean, say, like, and I was like, that's all I wanted to do. She's like, all right, well, let's, let's do this. So I joined Groundlings, uh, took classes at the Groundlings. Out here in L.A., I got on stage all I could at the Improv. Mm -hmm. uh, the great Bud Friedman, I saw him earlier. Yeah, He's Bud's here. here tonight, too. He is, uh, yeah, he put me on Legend. stage. Legend. I'll never forget it. Going on stage at, at the Improv is, is, is just a life. So what, what year was this? 
I'd say this is 96. 96? Mm-hmm. I think something like that, 1996. And, and uh, I remember um, Ross Mark, who now books The Tonight Show, was booking uh, people, putting people on stage. And, and I got up, and I, all I had was my troll bit. That's all I had. <laughs> so I, I did the troll doll bit. And I had maybe 25 minutes of material. Seven minutes of it was funny. And uh, they let me go on stage. And uh, I remember my first night... Uh, my first Saturday night. If you do a week, it's, it's good. And my mom and dad loved me to play the improv because they would feed you. Uh, so my mom would know I was eating something besides uh, ramen noodle soup. Yeah, you get uh, chicken fingers. Yeah, you get chicken yeah. fingers, yeah, which is great. Yeah. Protein. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I remember uh, uh, Bud said, uh, uh, Jimmy, would you like to do Saturday night? And a Saturday night gig at the improv is big time. I mean, you go from $7 a gig to $10. Yep. And you get, yeah, right? <laughs> you get double the chicken fingers. Uh, so I, I'm Saturday night, I'm at the club, and who walks in but Jerry Seinfeld? And this is at the height of Seinfeld mania. And I was like, oh my gosh, Seinfeld. So I ran to a, this is how old, uh, 1996, whoever's watching this from the future. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I went and uh, I called my mom from a payphone. <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> what? <laughs> smoke, smoke. A paying telephone. What is a paying telephone? <laughs> All the, all, the, all the Haley Joel Osment <laughs> AI kids. It's not an AI. The, the brain just uh, melted. Uh, uh, good, uh, pay good. telephone. I call my mom from a pay telephone. <laughs> I'll bet you use dial-up modems, too. <laughs> and so I, I call it. I go, oh, my gosh, Jerry Seinfeld's here. Uh, and, and I can't believe it. And so I, we're all nervous. And um, Jerry's just eating. And they said, is he going to perform? He said, no. And, uh, but then he decides last minute to perform. And he goes on stage and destroys. And he just does some, I mean, classic Seinfeld bit about the dry cleaners or some great bit. Standing ovation when he comes on, standing ovation when he goes off. And they go, all right, who's next? And they go, uh, <laughs> who is Jimmy Fallon? And, and I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm sweating. I have my troll doll. I'm like, do I got to tell some jokes now? I was like, what am I doing? I mean, I don't, and I want people to understand how hard it is when you're a young comic to follow. Like, you don't understand. Like, the room gets completely gassed, like, after a celebrity comes in and crushes. Seriously, And it's yeah. like, and here's a kid you've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little... And David Gee gave me a great intro, but uh, it didn't help at all. I went up, and it was just crickets. You could hear people just, like, moving around their seats. And then what I did was I did Seinfeld doing the troll. <laughs> so I go, uh, first up for the audition, Jerry Simon. I go, what's up with these dolls? Who does his hair? And, and everyone started clapping, and I killed them. I go, this is it. This is going to be good. It's going to be a good moment. I'll never forget that. And you crushed the set? Did I you talk to Jerry I, afterwards? I, I didn't. He left, but I met, him, I met up with him later, and I said, uh, I told him the story, and he goes, well, good for you. <laughs> That's what happens when you go do the setup. <laughs> you follow somebody and learn the ropes. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> Yeah, he's a cool guy to do an impression of because what he, do, he doesn't sound that, anything like that, really, but he, he, he will move his impression up to me just to make me feel better about myself. So I remember we did it on Saturday Night Live. We did a point-counterpoint where I'm like, I can't believe these things at the Gap. You're folding the pants. You're unfolding the pants. What? And he goes, Jimmy, you ignorant slut. <laughs> you know, and did the line, but he moved his voice up just to make me feel better. He's a great guy. And yeah, and, and, but, but that's what's so great, you know, especially about your impressions. It's like the same thing as Dana Carvey. When people do an impression of Seinfeld or, you know, or George Bush Sr., they're doing you doing Seinfeld or Carvey doing Sr., not the actual guy, you know, yeah. like these characterizations that you guys created. It, it, so, so I got in doing improv- uh, 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 impressions, and I wanted to be the next Dana Carvey on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me in the door. I auditioned for Saturday Night Live. 
I didn't get it the first time. Uh, they were looking for someone black. Ah. Um, and you're an actor, you're like, I could do that, please. Please, please. <laughs> let me come back, let me reread. Yeah. I'm a black man come now. <laughs> please let me be a black man. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Morgan got the gig that year, and then uh, I came back, auditioned again the next year, and they said, uh, we love to see Jimmy again, but uh, please have not do the troll bit. Oh, oh. And I go, that's all I got, that's all I got is the troll bit. Yeah, so, uh, so I had a... What's that process, like, for SNL audition? It's so nerve-wracking. Uh, you're on the actual stage where you've seen Richard Pryor, you've seen Steve Martin do monologues, and Bill Murray and Gilda Radner, and you've seen... And it's just nerve-wracking. And I remember they, keep, they say, Lauren Michaels, um, they say, Lauren's not going to laugh. <laughs> Everyone tells you the story. Like, you get the audio guy's putting the mic on you, and he goes, uh, good luck, Jimmy. Uh, I just want to let you know, Lauren doesn't laugh, so oh. don't feel bad. I go, okay, thank you. Then, you, you know, you're getting your makeup on, and the guy's like, um, just want to let you know, Lauren doesn't laugh, okay? Then you go, okay. <laughs> I heard this. Uh, <laughs> so then you get out there, and I was doing, uh, I, instead of troll dolls, I did a celebrity walkathon. <laughs> um, where I was just doing different voices, and uh, I, I did, at the time I did Adam Sandler. And this was before he, this is right when he did Billy Madison, so this is before anyone had a Sandler impression. And so I finished, I, I did this, I go, how you doing? Uh, it's, good to, uh, it's good to be at the Celebrity Walkathon, and uh, you know, uh, my mother used to say, uh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Shut up, you know, and, uh, and I saw, and I saw Lorne Michaels laugh. And then I was like, wow. It was like the craziest moment ever. And it was like, it was just sh slow motion from then on out. Did you find out right after the audition, were they like, sign here? Or did you have to wait? Or how was that process? Oh, they make you wait six months. <laughs> and then, yeah. I, yeah uh, and I was out. I came back out to LA. I did the Groundlings. And then uh, Lawrence said, they said, Lauren wants to meet with you. And he's on the Paramount lot out here in LA. And uh, he's in an all white room. It's like <laughs> close to heaven. It's really, it's like heaven. And, <laughs> and I remember I walked in and he said, uh, uh, Jimmy, do you wear wigs? <laughs> and I go, oh, I just do this to my hair to just... I and he goes, no, I'm saying, because we want you for the show. And I was like, the rest was just... It was just the coolest moment ever. And I'm like, it was like a Wonder Years moment. It was like, what would you do? <laughs> in front of us hang out like, everything was in sepia tone. It was like... And I knew that moment. Running really fast and waving and... Lauren Michaels and I would never be the <laughs> same. same again, never yeah. Same it was just again. magic. And then I did Siren Live for six seasons. I did... Uh, I came on first as the, I was the impressionist guy, because uh, I, I did a bunch of impressions, and then, and then I did uh, original characters, so I was like, oh, he's got range, he's doing characters, and then I did Weekend Update with Tina Fey, mm -hmm. uh, which is super awesome. Yeah, you... And that was the best, she's the greatest, and then I became the guy that laughs at his own jokes and ruined sketches, <laughs> <laughs> and then I segued into movies, so that's, uh, that was basically, and then uh, I was leaving SNL, and, and uh, after my, they signed up for a six-year contract, and uh, after the six years, I was like, I should probably leave because I, I'm friends with everybody still. I don't have any bad memories. I had the greatest time in my life, and I just want to leave being at peace, you know, with, with the show, and I'm, just, I'm the biggest fan. And so Lauren was kind of bummed. He's like, well, Conan O'Brien just signed on to do The Tonight Show in nine years, I think, <laughs> or six, no, six years. He goes, so uh, I think you, we're going to need a replacement for Conan. You... I think you'd be good at hosting a talk show. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, and Tina Fey was in the room, and she was like, yeah, you'd be good. You got that Irish charm. You talk to everybody all the time. And, and I go, okay. I go, well, I'm just going to go try movies, and we'll see what happens in six years. And the movies didn't work out. Uh, so... <laughs> Jimmy, do you like to wear a wig? <laughs> 
Full circle. <laughs> full circle. circle of life. Lord, I like Hakuna Matata. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he, so six years later, uh, talked to Lauren. Look how sweaty. This is insane. This is grossing me out. <laughs> Tell me if I'm sweaty. Uh, no, no, you're fine. We just came from, we just had a water fight backstage. Yeah. With spraying each yeah, other. Some of the Pally family was out there, the grandkids. We were just playing. Yeah, yeah throwing. Jimmy, yeah. you got me all wet. Yeah, whatever. But, um, very sexy. Please this? don't do that. No, no. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, so then uh, Lauren, uh, he said, would you like to do it? And, uh, and um, I asked my wife, I said, what do you think of this? Um, uh, and, and she goes, you have to. I mean, Letterman did it, and, and Conan O'Brien, that's it. Yeah. I mean, if you do it and flop, you're still one of three people that yeah. did this. I mean, so, uh, I, and, uh, so immediately that's when the wheels started turning, and I said, uh, we got to put together a good crew of people and, and get the best people, and here we are two years later. We just celebrated our second year anniversary. It's huge. I mean, it's you so know. Fun. <laughs> You, uh, it, it's funny, you know, you breeze through all that stuff like, oh, and then I was on SNL, and then I had a weekend update, and then I was, I mean, like, you, you know, you, you popped so hard on that show. I mean, I, I remember meeting you at a party in, like, 98, and you hadn't gotten the show yet. You know, just a nice guy at a party. I knew you kind of from doing stand-up. Yeah. And, uh, hey, Jimmy, hey, Chris, nice And then, literally, like, three months later, you're hugely famous on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I mean, just, that was like, like that. That's so the way did, that show works. What did it, what did the, what did it feel like? It was, it was just when people were starting to comment on the internet. I remember that. Like, it was like where people were having their own fan sites. And um, gosh, I'm, Sean Bradley's the name of the kid that had this website. But I don't remember the, like, uh, I feel like SaturnLiveFan.com. Oh, you're going to hear about it now on the I internet. Oh, I know, I know. Um, but it, uh, and I remember I did my, it was my fourth show, I think. It was Ben Stiller was the host. And um, he asked if I could do my Adam Sandler impression. And uh, so that. So I thought I was about to get assassinated. I swear to God, that was like, they what, cover what your is, eyes is there a red, is there a laser? This is all stage. There's a red dot on yeah, me. What is, is happening? Not, there's no show. He was sneaky and weird coming out. He's wearing all black. He's the, uh, this, that's the Banksy of assassins. <laughs> that's what he does. He puts on so a he just comes out and kills in front of everybody. Yeah, like, exactly. It's an art. the weirdest Pelly event ever. It's they murdered Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of service you get. A towel boy! <laughs> yeah, that is not, that never has happened to me in my life. But I'm happy you did it, thank you. I feel like a preacher on 700 Club now. It's like, <laughs> ah, you guys, you're healed, boys! Stand up, rise up, my boy! Get out, sit down! Oh my god! So then, uh, so we, put the, we assembled the best crew of people. I figured if, if, if you know, following Conan O'Brien uh, is, is, is tricky because uh, he's been on the show for 16 years, and, mm -hmm. and so it's, he's in your television for 16 years. Like, how do you follow that, that person who you go to bed with every night? You love Conan O'Brien. But the good news is that he wasn't going away uh, yet. He wasn't going away. <laughs> uh, but he wasn't going. He was going to The Tonight Show. So yeah. I, that helped me out. And... Uh, but I mean, I, I put together a crew of people where I figured, look, if the show doesn't work, I want to go out with just fun people. Mm -hmm. So I got Mike Shoemaker from Tyrant Live, who's a producer, he's genius. He's here tonight. Uh, a bunch of great people like, that I worked with, Katie Hockmeyer. I mean, uh, we put together uh, great writers. Uh, uh, 
The CAA helped me out, and my manager uh, helped me. You had me Anthony Jeselnik and Morgan Murphy and 80 Miles and. Uh, 80 Miles is amazing. Yeah. Genius, our head writer. We got like a lot. Our writing staff, I, I'm so proud of them because if they're not like, we didn't really hire them from their resume, mm -hmm. we just hired them from their talent. Mm -hmm. It's like, so it's like people that have like this giant resume of like, he wrote for this, he wrote for Kimley. I go, well, why isn't he working for him now? <laughs> so great. I mean, what happened to him? You know, uh, but so we hired, so we got a guy from The Onion. Mike Desenzo, we got Amy Olzos, who wrote for a game show, who's brilliant. Uh, we got uh, Anthony Jeselnik, Morgan Murphy from the stand-up circuit. Yep. And we just had uh, just a cool, diverse group of people. Uh, men, women, uh, you know, we had the most women on any late-night writing staff. That's great. I think you need to have that, especially when you, yeah. when you want to appeal to, you know, a lot of people, you, you know, I, I don't know how to write for a woman, right. <laughs> contrary to popular belief. Uh, <laughs> so you, it's better to have a, a, you know, a woman writer or like that, you know, or something like that. So it's, you know, and our, our writing staff kind of gelled immediately. We went on the web. Uh, Lorne Michaels, uh, his idea was to have us start on the web, just doing like three-minute shows. Uh, he didn't tell us this idea yet. He just told to the press first. And then, so then we had to do it. Uh, so what we did, but it got us used to writing something. We, we had these makeshift offices that NBC um, had uh, on the 11th floor. And we just kind of all were like in little like cubby halls just trying to write these three-minute shows. It's such a smart idea, especially, you know, especially with the audience, you know, because uh, uh, other late-night shows up to that point hadn't really embraced digital culture yet. And so yeah. it was kind of nice to see, oh, you know, you know Jimmy's going to come in and, fre and freshen up uh, the format. Yeah, and like it, it's... It, I remember we were one of the first people on, on Twitter. We didn't clearly invent Twitter, but I remember, I remember going, to, we got a great producer, Gavin Purcell from G4. He came from Attack of the Show. Attack of the Show. And I remember, I yeah, I knew Gavin as I worked on Attack of the Show, and I sat in his office, and he was like, I think I'm going to go take a job working with Jimmy Fallon. And I was like, you need to do that, because Jimmy is awesome. Ah, oh, thank you, my and man. And I, I actually, uh, Gavin's genius with that stuff, with Twitter. I remember saying to Gavin, I said, if I have 300 followers, by the, before the show starts, that's 300 more viewers. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. I mean, our ratings are going to be through the roof. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, and that was back then, and now I think I'm like 3.5 million followers or something yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. And you go like, I was happy with 300, you know, and, 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 you know, and we got to you know, embrace social media. It's been so, it's so fun to have that now uh, because back when you know, Johnny Carson was doing his shows, he couldn't go, have a blog. You know, he didn't... He, he I'm didn't. sure Carson would have wanted a blog. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I uh, like. Uh, 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 no, but he... Uh, just but, uh, had a banana for lunch. I know, yeah, no, he wouldn't tweet, probably, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just bourbon on Ava this morning, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, but he... Um, but, I mean, we, like, we have web exclusives. Like, when a band comes on, they'll play their, their song that they're trying to sell, but then we'll say, hey... Just for me, can you play a bonus song? Mm -hmm. You know, and that'll go right to the web. You know, just for the web exclusive. And like, that would be awesome to have in the in the in the 80s and 90s, in the 60s. You know, just like a, a band doing an extra song. That so it's almost like we have two shows. Yeah. You know, with the, with the web now. Is that twice? Is that twice as much work? Uh, not really. I mean, for the band, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, we do. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work. We have three great bloggers: Sarah Schaefer, Corey Caven, and uh, John Friedman. Uh, who just we we won Emmys uh, for our blog. They're they're brilliant. They they 
they know what they're doing. They're, they're phenomenal. And uh, it, whether it be random stories or just something different, things on Flipcam. Like, we have chefs come on the show and they do like a food blog. Mm -hmm. That's just fun. Just like some dumb recipe, like Mario Batali talking about grilled cheese. It's like something that doesn't deserve to be on TV, but still is cool. <laughs> like, you're like, I want to see what he, how he makes a grilled show. cheese. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, uh, so that really helped us, like, being, uh, being on the web. Uh, is it awful and sweaty? <laughs> Where's that assassin? The sweat assassin's going to come the out. The sweat assassin. Mop me down. Uh, but, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, we're here t uh, two years later, and it's kind of fun, like, to see what things, you know, hit and what things don't. You, you know, the things that go viral, yeah. you know, you can tell if a joke is funny. It's, it's instant gratification, but instant feedback from your fans, too. They're going to be like, hey, I like that bit you did, or I liked, you know, your Charlie Sheen impression, or I like, you know, it's oh, like... Oh, yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. You know, it's like weird. I mean, it is nice, because that is, that is, that's the closest you get to stand-up. You know, like having that instantaneous feedback. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Charlie Sheen thing, which you did on the, it was on the anniversary show, right? The, the yeah, that was, yeah. Now, now that Charlie Sheen has become the internet, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you, you did this uh, Charlie Sheen. You know what? Actually, if we can, let's, let's take a look. We have that clip. Yeah. Winning. Duh. Winning. Adonis DNA. I'm a bitchin' rock star. Blood of a tiger. I'm like Zeus in a Speedo. The only drug I'm on is Charlie Sheen. I took a lot of Charlie Sheen. I'm gonna embrace my life. I'm gonna put both arms around it and, and love it violently. And then defend it violently through violent hatred. Dude, you're 45 with five kids. So sit in your little chairs in your big house with your bean bags, laugh and sit back and enjoy the ride and buckle up. Cause it's gonna be a long one. It's going to be bumpy, and at one point, you're going to want to put your hands up. Not legal. But we are taking a picture, digital photo, $25 when you get off the ride. You can buy a picture of you enjoying the whole Charlie Sheen ride. Do I know Chuck's real name? Chaim Levine. That's his real name. What's that? What's my real name? Carlos Estevez. Thomas Odise winning. You know that computer Watson on Jeopardy? Well, he's a pussy. I'm living with two goddesses. Where's that computer Watson living with? I feast on the bones of trolls, winning again. Another great example of how I'm winning and, and the computer Watson was losing. Winning. Winning. <laughs> shot. My God. It's, uh, I would say that was uh, beautifully shot by the great Michael Blyden. Mike Blyden is awesome. Oh, he's great. He's a great writer, director on our show that we're lucky enough dinner, to work with. He's a comedy. Mike Blyden oh, brilliant. comedy. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. We have so many creative, brilliant people on our show. Like that, Charlie Sheen clearly... Um, I love that he hates Watson the computer. <laughs> Why is he jealous of the Jeopardy computer? Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, we, he came out with that... Uh, the whole winning Tiger Blood thing that morning, and A.D. Miles uh, got the writers together and said, what, what can we come up with? And, you know, and they, they came up with winning the cologne. And um, we did our show, normal show, um, and then after the show, we pre-taped. And, and the, uh, I didn't know if I had a Charlie Sheen, or I don't know if we didn't, uh, we didn't have a wig for Charlie Sheen. That's my real hair, that's my actual face. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know what camera I look into, but where's the camera I can probably see? Like, <laughs> It's just a weird thing. I don't know, but uh, and so I just it, and it just ended up getting that impression, 
And uh, how do you approach how do you approach an impression? Like, do you you know, like when you were doing SNL, did, was it something that stuff that you worked on for a while and really sat with the tapes? But in a situation like this, you kind of just gotta. I had like I had uh, the great makeup artists and, and hair on our show, uh, uh, Cindy Lou and, and Courtney. Uh, they 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 did the hair and makeup, and as they were doing the hair and makeup, I had the laptop just watching the Today Show interview with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> where he was just writing his own comedy piece. I mean, really, like, <laughs> the writing was kind of given to us on that one. He's like, I got, I got tiger blood. It's like, oh, my gosh. Uh, Charlie, you're... I wouldn't even have thought of tiger blood. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's what happens when drugs dissolve your brain out of your ear. You get to write yeah. just jokes like tiger blood. But we did that one. That was fun. And, like, we, we do a lot of stuff, uh, like, pre-tape stuff. I think, like, kind of sets us apart from other late-night shows. Like, we... You know, we take the time and the, and the, and the writing, again, the, the writers are just brilliant on my show. And they, 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 like, we spoof shows that we love. Like, I love Real Housewives. Uh, I love, uh, I love uh, all reality shows. I love the, uh, Jersey Shore. I love, uh, we recently did a Jersey, well, we also, we, we did a Jersey Shore one, but we have a budget. A late night budget. We're on at like 12:37 at night, so <laughs> we do have to set kind of everything in the office. Sure. Uh, like Robert is bothered in a tree on the 11th floor of 30 Rock. Oh, really? Yeah, we climb through someone's office out the window and climb up in a tree, and Blyden hangs in the tree and shoots that with me. Now, like we have no budget. Uh, it would have been shocking if Robert Pattinson had fallen to his death while shooting a comedy sketch. <laughs> I guess you're not really a vampire. <laughs> Hey, we knew he wasn't twinkling. He wasn't twinkling. Thought he was Sunlight. supposed to fly. Yeah. Whatevs. Uh, Twilight the Vampire. Yeah. And, that, name, and that right? pond with Bieber, when we do Bieber, where I look nothing like Justin Bieber. Uh, 36-year-old man with a Bieber wig. Uh, again, this is written by the, the great Amy Olzos. But that, that's a pond on the 11th floor uh, that Tuscanini had when, you know. Wow. There's a lot of history in NBC in our building in 30 Rockets, and especially in our studio, too. Like, our, our studio is Studio 6B in 30 Rockefeller Plaza, where... Um, NBC Radio it used to be Bob Hope and, and uh, Martin and Lewis did NBC wow. Radio. Then uh, Milton Berle did Texaco Star Theater, like one of the first major hits on television. I mean, it's like the American Idol of its time, again, if you're watching the future. Uh, <laughs> Milton Berle, no, I forget. Um, but, um, and then, and then um, Jack Parr did The Tonight Show. And then uh, from our studio, who's amazing, Jack Parr, recreate, he just made the sh Tonight Show what it was, took what Steve Allen made and made it more of a talk show and what it is now. And then Johnny Carson did the first 10 years of The Tonight Show from our studio. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing. Uh, does anyone remember Tiny Tim? Yeah. You remember when he got married on The Tonight Show? That that happened in our studio. Holy crap. Miss Vicky, isn't that bizarre? That's insane. So, you, I mean, you, you obviously, do you feel the weight of that every day, or do you just sort of, you're in so much in we show have, mode? I have a picture of, uh, of Johnny in my office, and I just look at every day just to go like, oh, yeah, that could, it could be f that fun, you yeah. know, and make people feel that good. Jimmy also has in his office, uh, I was in your office, I don't know, like six months ago, and I lean back on your couch and I look up at the ceiling and there's a, uh, a pickle suspended in the ceiling, a giant pickle yeah, it's, lighted inside. It's, it's, lit, it's beautifully lit like an art piece. Uh, I didn't know where to put that pickle. It was a gift from Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, you know, thank you. Uh, but I guess the Letterman writers gave it to Conan. Uh -huh. And Conan gave it to me, and he said, you give it to the next poor slub who gets this job. Uh, uh, jokingly. Uh, and like the Dread nice Pirate story. Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, you passed the pickle down. <laughs> passed the, thank you, yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's where I got that from, from Conan. And, 
and it's, it's hanging in my ceiling because I don't know where to put it. You know what's great is that your show is, I mean, it's not even really, it's not just a talk show. Like, it is a true variety show because you had mentioned the, the Real Housewives things and the, and the Jersey Shore thing. And, you, you know, the fact that you have series within a series is a very, like, Carol Burnett and Friends thing to do. Yeah. So you mentioned the Jersey uh, Shore thing. I, I want to run a clip of Jersey Floor. Well, see, Jersey Floor is what, what it is, just let me set it up <laughs> real quickly. Again, we're on a budget. Uh, so... <laughs> So we, we thought of a uh, shoemaker thought of this idea, I think, where um, you go in the elevator and there's a button that says Jersey Floor. <laughs> and you press the button and when you come out in the office, you're jerseyfied. <laughs> so we got a bunch of fun people to help us out. Rachel Dratch and Josh Myers with Seth Myers' brother. And mm -hmm. Steve Higgins, our great announcer. Great, who, Steve Higgins. Uh, he's brilliant. But yeah, so check out Jersey, Jersey Floor. Jersey Floor. That's silly. So, That's crazy. It's all just like, uh, just for the love, because we just love Jersey Shore that much. <laughs> you said Rachel Dratch actually fell on the table. So that was an actual fall. We, uh, Blyden was uh, directing Rachel, and she was dancing drunkenly as Snooki uh, on this, comp this is a, an abandoned floor in NBC on the 12th floor. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> so we just took over this floor and just shot this. So she was on an actual conference table, a conference room table, and you know, in the middle, there's sometimes a place where you can put conference, like phones, telephones, like yep. come through the, she stepped on this trap door or something and so her leg went through the table <laughs> so that was a real but it was such a good fall I mean like and she's such a true she's like was it funny like I thought she can't like the bone sticking yeah, out yeah exactly yeah, bleeding out she was totally fine but this, it was such a perfect snooky fall we had to keep it in I mean it's great because you know uh, your, your writers are actually all performers so you, you essentially do have this like cast of people that you can draw from yeah I mean they're all like 80 miles the redhead guy with the sunburn who can't get tan that's our head writer uh <laughs> Uh, Steve Higgins, Bashir Salahuddin's a writer who's uh, uh, the only black member of Jersey Floor. Uh, um, yeah, who, Abby Elliott from Siren Live, Rachel Dratz, Siren Live. Uh, but usually, yeah, we, we have those people to work with as, as a kind of a cast. Uh, we have very talented writers as well as, their performers as well as writers. And again, like I said, we don't really have a budget to go, you know, to get a lot of people, especially in last minute stuff. So, and they're always game, like, Higgins, you know, taking his shirt off and stuff like that. They're always game to do whatever we end up thinking about doing. What, is your, what does a day look like for you when you show up? I mean, do you have any concept the night, you know, like the day before, what you're going to do the next day besides, like, guests that are booked, or how does it work? Yeah, we kind of, like, we, we have an idea. Like, I come into work probably around 10 o'clock, and then I just uh, um, talk to my assistant. I see what phone calls I have to make, uh, call anyone back. And then around 11.30, 12, we have a creative meeting where the producers come in. We talk about what bits we're going to do. Are we going to air Jersey Shore? Like, how are we going to uh, Jersey Floor? And how are we going to fit it in time-wise to the show? Then after that meeting, it's usually about a half hour to an hour. Then we have the monologue meeting. Uh, yeah, monologue meeting where I go into a room with uh, Jeremy uh, Bronson, who's a great writer, and all the monologue writers, and we go over like all these jokes and what, what, what for that day, what we're going to go on and, and say that night for the monologue. Then I go back into another room. I have a segment producer meeting, so who's going to be on the show, what we're going to talk about. i got to bring up you know, their summer vacation or whatever, so they have a good story about that. Or, you know, and then are we going to do something funny with Mike Tyson if he's on the show? Like We'll play Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You know, we'll think of ideas that way. And then I will go then down to rehearsal. And what we do is we have this uh, audience studio audience comes in like a, a, the tourist from the NBC experience downstairs. Huh? Like 50 people come up and they have special tickets and I read uh, our, our highlighted monologue jokes, which I don't think any other show has done. Like uh, Conan never did that. We just invented that because Mike Shoemaker comes from the uh, Saturday Night Live background. Mm -hmm. And so we like, we don't have a dress rehearsal 
for our show. So this is kind of a dress rehearsal. So those 50 people, I read my monologue jokes, and out of those jokes, um, we'll pick 10 for the show. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I, I, I get ready, then cue cards. I go over cue cards and all the sketches we're going to do. If we're doing, like, we do a lot of games with the audience on our show. Like, um, we have a game called uh, Wax On, Wax Off, <laughs> where we get a guy, male member of the audience. He lays down, and we put a, <laughs> we put a, a waxing, a wax on his chest hair. And if he gets the question wrong, we rip his hair off. <laughs> And the that twist, the twist is, he's not answering the questions his buddy is. <laughs> <laughs> and the categories are like famous Latvian prime ministers, uh, <laughs> the 1520s, like impossible questions. <laughs> and then we have potpourri, which spins around and it ends up on famous Latvian prime ministers again. <laughs> uh, and then we just rip his chest hair off. It's just silly, but uh, so we go over those bits and like fun, fun things like that. Uh, and then we do the show, and then when we're done, if we have a pre-tape, if we're doing Jersey Floor, we go in and get ready, and I get my, my wig on and tan. And so I'm usually there till, you know, at least uh, nine o'clock or ten o'clock at night. So, and then sometimes midnight or later. It's Blyden and the editors. We have great editor Chris Tartaro, uh, who won an Emmy for editing last year. Uh, he stays up until uh, like four in the morning editing for the next day, which is we don't have to do it. I mean, I could just do a talk show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all, yeah, all people are expecting me to talk to somebody, but it's more fun and it's, and it, and it's, it's creative. It, it makes everyone like, who wants to play can play. Like, oh, I got this idea to do a cologne, a Charlie Sheen, or you know, Blyden wants to do something he always wanted to do, like, a, like a, uh, a musical vampire thing called Sucker. So we do that, you know, or you know, if we want to spoof the Real Housewives, it takes us like an hour to get into makeup to be, <laughs> to be in drag. I've never done drag on Saturday Live because... Oh, please. Uh, uh, and, uh, Come on now. And also, and also, you know, we have such talented women on that show, Tina Fey and, uh, you know, uh, Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler, the great. But when, you know, my show came, I'm like, I'm going to do anything to make the show successful. Uh, whatever I have to do, I will stay overnight. I will work and work and you work. Do you still feel that after two years? Do you still feel that, that kind of that yeah. energy? I really do. I mean, I, you're doing the show every day. There, there must be some days where you're like, I cannot do a monologue tonight. You have to do it. No, yeah, you can't get sick. You nope. cannot be sick because you have to host a show, and it's like you have a crew of hundreds of people waiting for you, and you, you, they, they make a living off you being healthy. So uh, no more boozer nights for me. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I have to, but, uh, you know, I, it's, it, it's so much fun to do the show, and it's just like... Uh, uh, we have such free reign. Like NBC has been so great to us. Like Rick uh, uh, and Nick, uh, Rick Lowen and Nick Bernstein, uh, uh, NBC Late Night. Uh, I have Prez heads, and uh, they're they're brilliant. They 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 give us uh, they they give us free reign. Like they'll give us some notes and stuff like that. But they're like, hey, if you want to stay up till three in the morning, it's up to you. <laughs> We're not paying you anymore. Uh, just go for it. So, and I just like doing it because it, it, again, we live in in this society now where things are kind of modular mm -hmm. on our show that can go viral. You know, if we do something. You know, like a Justin Timberlake thing, or like something like that. It, the next day, it could, we can tweet it out, and it could be all over the web, and, and people are seeing our show for the first time yeah. that aren't staying up until you know 12:40 in the morning. Like, for instance, the uh, Real Housewives of Late Night, which you mentioned before. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that's wow. 
It's a, I, I meant it's awful. I meant I look awful. It's a funny sketch. Uh, again, that's Amy Olzos writes those ones and Blyden direct that. But that's all our writers and Steve Higgins, our announcer, and Miles, our head writer, is a very good-looking redhead. He's, and, uh, uh, <laughs> I gotta say though, Jimmy Fallon, you're not a bad-looking lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all. Oh my gosh. Uh, by the way, my wife does like this sketch. When she sees it, she's like, "Oh my god, I'm not like that at all." Uh, <laughs> It's kind of loosely based on all of the Real Housewives. Well, I don't even know what is. These are it actually. When you watch those shows, you're like, these are not real freaking housewives. They're, they're real these people. people. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I've had a couple of them on the show, and they always go, they laugh because they think I'm imitating the other one. Right. Like, oh, I'm not that crazy. You're doing the crazy one. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm doing the crazy. <laughs> You've seen the show, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, that type of stuff, it's so fun to, to be able to do that with all of our, uh, I mean, that's the staff. We have uh, Bashir, uh, you know, um, is, is our, one of our writers, and he plays Yvonne, my nemesis in that. But uh, to have Owen from The Roots uh, just being game and putting on a wig and just hanging out, you know. Uh, the Roots, by the way, I got to say, I, I, I... Incredible. I, they made the show what it is. How did you get, how did you get The Roots? I, I was talking to Neil Brennan, who's a great uh, writer, uh, director, and he yep. was... Producer, he works with uh, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle show, yeah. And he said, "Who, who are you going to get for the for your house band?" I'm like, I, "I have no idea." And he was like, "Oh, you should talk to the Roots." I'm like, "You think the the Roots would do that?" And he goes, "Oh no, they wouldn't do it, but they might know someone. <laughs> I work with them." Yeah, I'm like, huh. <laughs> and so then I figure, well, what's the worst that can happen? Just ask, just ask the Roots, and just see if they say no, they say no. And I I asked them, and I met with Questlove and and uh, Black Thought, and we talked it over, and um, they were totally game. Uh, Questlove was like, I, I got two questions for you. I was like, Ooh. we had the meeting in Lauren Michaels' office because at this point I had a cubbyhole on the 11th floor, so I didn't have an office. I wanted to impress them. So uh, I, I borrowed <laughs> Lauren's office, so, uh, and I really wanted to sell them on it. And I, I said, look, you're, you're, there's no band like you. You can play with Tony Bennett. You can play with Jay-Z and you, you, without a blink of an eye. You're so talented. There's no band like you. Um, and two, we're really close to Philly, where they're from, so you can take a train home if you want to. You're really close. And he was like, all right, I got two questions. One, if, like, Herbie Hancock's in town, can he play w with the band? <laughs> I was like, dude, I will rent Herbie Hancock an apartment if he wants to play with your band. <laughs> and he goes, and two, if this is Lauren Michaels' office, where, where's the popcorn? Because he's such a nerd comedy fan, he knows that Lauren likes popcorn in his office. And I was like, I'm in love with this dude. Like, we're going to have a, this is going to be a great relationship. I follow Questlove on Twitter. He's hilarious. He tweets more than he should, though, <laughs> doesn't he? He tweets a lot of times. I, I thought I was, at, I was at an airport in, uh, I think it might have been D.C., and I thought, like, across the airport I saw him. He's a hard guy to miss. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't know if that's him. So later on, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Twitter, and I look, and there's, like, five tweets about him being at the D.C. airport. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's You know other people read anything. this, right? You don't need to track you down. He's such a great, he's a comedy nerd, and he's an audiophile, and uh, they're the nicest, most talented guys. But you don't know. It's like college. Like, you, you get put in a dorm. You don't know if you're going to be friends with these people. You, you, but you have to live with them. Yeah. You know, and I know that they're talented musicians, but I don't know if we're going to gel as people, you know, as, 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 and then, gosh, it just, you know, we're two years in now, and just, I, I wouldn't know what I'd do without him. They're like family. Well, you're a huge, I mean, a, a large part of your act when you were touring uh, was stand, it was a music when you were doing your stand-up. Yeah. So you're a huge, huge music fan. I do love music, yeah. I mean, but again, this goes to the, to the, to the writers more than anything. Like, I can do an impression of Neil Young, but that means what? You know, no, I, oh. Uh, oh. But I mean, some, uh, some people getting a little demanding in the crowd. <laughs> dance! <laughs> Shut up and dance! Uh, no, uh, yeah! 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 <laughs> yeah! Oh, it's hot. <laughs> I, 
But uh, so say you do an impression of Neil Young, but it's not funny until the writer comes in the room and says, uh, "Hey, what if Neil Young sang, you know, whip my hair, Willis Smith, whip my hair with Bruce Springsteen?" Then you go, "Oh." We actually have a clip of that. We, yeah. we, have, we have a Whip My Hair clip. We, do you want to show that? Well, let's show the Whip, we my, have hair the whip clip. my Hair yeah. clip. Did you bring it up? This is bizarre. I am the clip master. Are we on? My powers are weak. <laughs> I don't think we're going to show that. We... Not, not yet with that clip? Not yet. All right. No, Assassin is back on stage. He's saying. What are you talking He's saying, oh my gosh, there's a blow dart. Everyone get down, there's a blow dart. Serum seeping uh, into uh, bloodstream. But uh, uh, I, I jumped out of order because it, 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 it came. I mean, oh. I know this feels all loosey goosey, guys, but I have some very well thought out notes. I'm glad to see you. There's a clip. Right, look order. at those scribbles. Are you the Unabomber? That is fantastic. Your manifesto. I'm not not the Unabomber. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, 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 made, I, I jumped out of order. Oh, bad host. Wait, now uh, you're saying yes, we can show it. Would you make up your mind? <laughs> We don't work well together. This guy's Howl, great. now! No, but I was like, uh, we, we first did uh, Neil Young because uh, we did, um, now remember, this is like the comedy writer's room, uh, the conversations you have. Uh, Lauren Michaels is, is so in touch with the show. He comes down every night, and we talk about the show before we do it. And we did a Neil Young bit. It was, the first one was uh, Neil Young singing uh, the lyrics to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised on... <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And uh, so we're like, we, we, we just want the lighting to come down over its floppy hat, uh, 70s Neil Young, with sideburns, Jobs. and you can't quite see my face. And I was like... Uh, do we say, ladies and gentlemen, here's Neil Young singing Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Or do we say, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Young? <laughs> and of course we decide on, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Young. <laughs> and it's so, because for a second you could kind of feel people go like, cool. Like, right. How did they get Neil Young to do this crazy song? This is, and, and then you, you slowly hear them start laughing. And then so we did this in a... Uh, at this, the clip we're setting up is Bruce Springsteen uh, heard, heard about us, we did Neil Young, and he liked it, and uh, he's a fan, so Mike Desenzo, this writer, said, you should sing Whip My Hair, and, and have Bruce come out and sing Whip My Hair with you, and I, so he wrote this whole thing, and I was very proud, I wrote like a Springsteen, like a, whoa, like in Whip My Hair, and it's kind of a beautiful version of Whip My Hair for some real reason. <laughs> And, and, and so Bruce Springsteen comes in, and he's, he's down to do it. He brings his own sunglasses from the 1978 Born to Run tour. He's really excited about this. He's like, you're going to give me a floppy hat, right? <laughs> and, and, so I, and I go, yeah, we'll get you a floppy hat. And I can't believe he's doing, sitting there. And he's really, he's having it. So we get him a floppy hat. He's like, oh, this is great. And we tape a beard on him. And I go, uh, we also have a wig. And he goes, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> I'm not wearing a wig. I'm not wearing a wig. I go, all right, all right. So everyone leaves the makeup room. It's just me and him in the room. I go, this looks great. And I go, do you want to just try the wig on? And he's like, all right, just do it. So I, I'm actually putting a wig on Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, what is going on with my life? And, I, and he puts the glass and the floppy hat, and he freaks out. Because he's like, this is it. So you, I, I got to show my manager. I got to show my manager. So he's across the hall. So Bruce gets up, and this is you know, the way Bruce walks. He's like, he's like all right. You got to see this, man. Look at this. 
You know, and he, and he puts on, he's got the glasses, and his manager is John Landau, and looks at him, and he hasn't seen his client look like 30 years younger. Why would he ever see that? And they, they, he almost starts crying. What? And it becomes a real weird moment, and it's just, and they just stare at each other for like 30 seconds. I go, all right, let's get going. Let's do this uh, whip my hair a bit. And, uh, and so when we did it, again, we didn't tell anyone that here's Neil Young singing whip my hair. We didn't tell anyone Bruce was going to do this. So when he comes out at first, some people don't think it's Bruce Springsteen. And it's pretty phenomenal that this will never happen again. No one will ever get Bruce Springsteen to wear a fake beard and hat. But it's one of my favorite things that's ever happened in my lifetime. Do you want to look at it? Yeah, let's take All a right. look. Clip master. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Young.
Thank you. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like, come on. That, I would listen to that song in my car. Like, it's good. <laughs> I, was, I freaked out. I, couldn't, I was so nervous. You see me lick my lips because my mouth was getting dry because I could see him in my peripheral vision with the leather jacket and the beard and, uh, and, the, and the guitar. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's about to come out and sing with my hair. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just trying, I'm like, don't laugh and just stay focused and just like, don't ruin this, man, because this is gonna be something you're really gonna look back on. I, I'm so proud. Of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, how can you not? I did, I did, I did, I did. I mean, you, you know, you. I always say this thing that um, uh, I think, you know, all rock stars want to be funny and all comics want to be rock stars. Yeah. But, you have a great voice. Like you, you could. No, no, no. Like, you really do. No, no, it's just an impression. That was gorgeous. Is the Paul thing nice, or do you know? Do you know what we, uh, clip we're setting up next? <clears throat> I had to return to the original order, yes, and uh, yes. that clip you're referring to doesn't turn up for uh, three more clips. Oh yes, is this the is this Bruce more Bruce? Um, no, no. The next the next clip has nothing to do with what we were just talking about because we have to jump. We jump could somehow order. make it work. You what think, is it? think we could? Yeah. Um, Jimmy, I noticed you recently had the cast of Park and Rec on. Yes, yes, yes. And also, it seems you're somewhat of a glee aficionado. <laughs> we did, yeah. We, that is a that segue, was a good segue. Friend. That was great. Well, thank you. Uh, I work in cable. We. Uh, <laughs> well, tier two cable, Not to be fair. You yeah, have to yeah. subscribe to a whole package, fair, yeah. and then you get the channel. But thank you, thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's like $3.90 or something. All right. Uh, we, we did, uh, I am a fan, we are a fan of glee. Uh, the show Glee, and uh, we, we um, again, we, we just were thinking around the office, and we're like, what can we do with Glee on the show? And we're like, maybe we'll challenge uh, a Glee, different Glee club, like from the cast of Parks and Recreation, mm -hmm. to a Glee off. <laughs> and um, and so we this we shot this on a Saturday. I think it was a three-day shoot, maybe, uh, like a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, and then Saturday we had all the all the cast of Parks and Rec flew themselves into New York. Because we, you know, we didn't have any money, so yeah. they <laughs> to pay them all to come in, and uh, they all came in. <laughs> no, do you want to come to our show? Will you fly? It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, I can't make it. Sorry. And uh, so we ended up doing uh, uh, this um, this cool Glee spoof called Six uh, B, because that's our studio. Yeah. So a six is that a six? Yeah. It kind of looks like a six B yeah, or a B. Um, uh, so we, it's called Six B. Uh, again, Amy Olsos wrote this one uh, as well. Uh, she's one of our all-star writers. And uh, uh, it's Amy Poehler, uh, pregnant Amy Poehler. Um, God, she loves comedy. Um, <laughs> just to do that. I mean, she, she, she's going to play so pregnant, awesome. go do a story. Yeah, I mean, Rashida, I'm like, we, just, we just did it for the love of comedy. How much rehearsal time do you have for these things? You cannot have that much time to bang this out. It was Saturday. You know, we all got in there at 10 in the morning and then left again like at 11 or midnight. Are you choreographing these or is there... We had this girl, Danielle, from Siren Live at Choreographs and tries to teach me. I'm an awful dancer. I mean, I'm the worst. And so uh, she really has to spend a lot of time with me as you see in that Justin bit. Justin's like... <laughs> yeah, and I'm like... <laughs> like, oh, I don't know how to dance. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of chore choreography in this this one, but um, we chose the song, uh, uh, I'm a Twisted Sister fan, uh, so we chose, uh, we wanted to choose a song that would never be on Glee, mm -hmm. so we did um, We're Not Gonna Take It, <laughs> which is not really a Glee song, but we gleeified it through this girl, Amy Miles, 
who is a genius uh, mu music uh, writer. And I thought that was 80 miles when you put him in a wig. Yeah, they, they look similar. <laughs> they do look similar. So pretty. Uh, well, she rocked it out, and she made this Glee version of this heavy metal song, We're Not Gonna Take It. And everyone memorized their parts. They recorded it out in L.A. Uh, in some soundstage in, in Parks and Rec and sent the files digitally over to our show. And then we mixed it all together uh, and, and made a song, and then we basically just lip-synced, and this is 6B. 6B.
Holy cats! <laughs> you guys literally, you, you did that in one day. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's like, it's all for the love. It's just like, it's just so fun. And I, I don't know, it's just, I don't know why we do it. We don't have to again. Like, it's just, we just, I'm so proud of that. Well, you like, do it because it's awesome and people love it and it's different. I mean, like, you guys are really, I mean, it is. It's, you guys are making a full-on, it's not really, it's, it's not weird to watch all these clips because it's, we've only been around for two years, but it's a lot of stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can't believe it's only been two years. It feels like, sometimes it feels like two weeks and sometimes it feels like a hundred years. How many shows have you done at this point? Two years? 400 something shows. Jeez. So I mean, I've interviewed like 800, 800 guests. The, you know, the greatest thing, because I've, I've done your show a couple times, yeah. and uh, what's fun about it is that, you know, there, there are a lot of talk shows out there, uh, and, uh, and I'm not going to say which ones they are, but uh, <laughs> there's some other shows out there, <laughs> which I think are a little more scripted than others in terms of the interview. Yeah. Uh, and with Jimmy, like, you know, maybe you do a pre-interview, like I talked to Jim Javonen, who's great. Yeah, good segment producer. You, you know, you get a couple bullet points, and then they're like, yeah, Jimmy might hit this, and then you just talk to people. Yeah, well, we want to make it loose and fun, like, like you know, uh, and, and, and fun for the audience as well, but fun for our guests, too, like, because sometimes uh, you do all these talk shows and you tell the same story over and over again, but we play games with people, mm -hmm. you know, uh, w uh, my first guest we had on was Robert De Niro, mm -hmm. and uh, I was sweating worse than I am now, uh, <laughs> you could see it, it was, and De Niro's, first of all, the nicest guy in the world ever, I asked him, because when you start a show, no one knows, I'm sorry, my, my back has been facing you people, I apologize, uh, hi. <laughs> uh, that's enough of that. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> they got there, yeah. They got there, they, uh, they got their money's worth. They they, uh, no, so, uh, uh, I, uh, so I, we're starting the show, and it's hard to get publicists to have people come on your show, because you're a brand new show, and the show might flop, and it might not be good, and, and it tr truly is hard to book. And I made a phone call to Robert De Niro, and he had nothing to promote, not, didn't have a movie coming out, he just did it because he's cool. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And we had De Niro, Timberlake, and Van Morrison was our first show. Now, how does De Niro, because you do a De Niro impersonation, is, yes. it, is it weird to do it in front of him? You're like, hey, Robert De Niro, here's how you sound, and then, yeah. you, and then you do it? Yeah, that's how he did me, by the way. He's like, yeah, I'm Jimmy Fallon. Uh. <laughs> but I, 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 we had him, and he's, he's, very, he, he, the, he's the nicest guy, he's the most generous guy, but he really doesn't like to talk that much. Right. Which is not good for a first guest on a talk show. It's like... <laughs> Uh, and so he, he just uh, kind of one-word answers. You go like, so, uh, Mr. De Niro, thanks for coming. I, I know you're a New York City guy. Yep. <laughs> okay, uh, and, you go, and you, you, you don't do, do many talk shows, do you? And you go, no, oh, no. <laughs> And then by that time, flop sweat is coming down my face. <laughs> People uh, think it's a bit. You're yeah. Like, oh, he doesn't talk. So, uh, kids, if you are, again, watching this from the future and you want to learn something, lower your temperature in your studio uh, to really, it's ice cold. We make it like Letterman cold. Like, Letterman's a rumor, like, Letterman's, anyone's ever been to see the Dave Letterman show, it is ice cold. It's like a freezer. And it's, it's like a casino. They got to keep people like yeah, the energized. audience stays awake, and the host doesn't sweat and flops it like I am. <laughs> An assassin comes out and wafts you with black napkins. Um, uh, but that's one lesson I definitely learned to, to do: make it ice cold in, in the room. Uh, I'm very uh, when, when I watch that thing, I'm very proud to say of our set designer, Ellen Waggett. Um, she built this set. We could build it from scratch. So when, when I said we went on the web, I had w just a little model, and anyone who watched our web shows saw us build the set. It was just an empty box, and uh, we tried to get all recyclable bamboo flooring. Mm -hmm. uh, the seats are original seats from Radio City Music Hall. Um, so they're made of baby seal fur. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
lot. Everything's recyclable. <laughs> and then the baby seal chairs. <laughs> it is the little face down it, here. Yeah, it's oh. very cute. It's very cute. But the original seats from the 30s, so you could get an original bed bug from Factory the 30s. Children, yep. they're made out of yeah. whatever. It's the 30s. Everything's fine. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's a very uh, I'm very proud of that 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 set. And the one thing I really you know wanted uh, when we were building the show, I said I want the music to be more exciting when we when we have people on the show because um, I, I do love music and I wanted like old like American Bandstand or Top of the Pops where some kid in like middle America want to see like what fans of this band look like and what are they dress like so we have special tickets you can go on MySpace or Facebook um, and get special band seats to go see the band and then during commercial break those last two rows come down and they stand behind the band on stage Oh yeah, I remember, yeah when I, last time it was Broken Bells were on, and yes. like the, the sides were just full of people. And they just, and they, I want them to dance and be like into the song, but they just, like Cindy Brady just freeze up and just like. <laughs> <laughs> and the band's like rocking out, yeah, and then everyone's going, come on, move, and you know, but they're figuring it out the more we do it. But it's one of my favorite parts, because it's one of, that's an idea that I had, uh, that I, I, I know Lauren was like, Ugh, whatever, if you want to get a band bench, whatever. And I was like, I think it's going to be cool. He's like, oh, whatever. I, you know, I was like, uh, uh, and the other, the other idea I had they didn't like either. I said, I want that band bench, and I also want a spiral staircase going up because we have the roots, and we couldn't fit all the roots on the floor because there's eight of them, so we had to put two up, like, like uh, bunk beds. Uh, <laughs> and Lauren was like, uh, that's the one thing, one of the things I don't hate are, bunk, are uh, spiral staircases. He just doesn't like them. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know why. But uh, Love Wigs hate spiral staircases. Exactly, yeah, completely. Uh, but that's in there. We do have a spiral staircase. I mean, NBC, again, was great. They let me have whatever I wanted to. Uh, and and uh, it, was, uh, it, it turned out great. It's my, I just love the set. It's very it's well lit. It's very New York feeling. Mm -hmm. so I, I wanted that feeling, you know, with our show. Very kind of live and very now and very New York. Very, it has to be late at night. And it's hard to do with wood floors, believe it or not. It looks like daytime. Yeah. It looks like a daytime show, so you have to light it right so that it looks like it's nighttime as well. What do you do when you're, obviously, how much, how much experience did you have, like, hosting, you know, chat segments before? Zero. So, <laughs> you, obviously, you have to learn super fast. I, I, I say, yeah, 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 I don't know how to do it, but to do it. Yeah. You know, I remember um, Stephen Colbert told me, he, he's an awesome guy, and he told me, he gave me advice. His family, his family are in the crowd, as you can see them, <laughs> the Colberts. He's told me, he's like, I'm going to give you advice that Conan gave to me that Carson gave to Conan. And that's that you, you, will do, you will do everything you've ever learned in your whole lifetime on the show. And it's the truth. It's like, I'm dancing, I'm doing Neil Young impressions, I'm, I'm wearing a wig. I'm like, I've never done that in the past. But um, I, you do everything, though, and you go, oh, my gosh. It's just, it's, it's such a fun race. But it's like, uh, when it comes to the chat part, there's no way you know to do that unless you just sit with people to the right of you and have conversations. So when I would have dinner at home, my wife would sit there, and I would eat dinner, and I'd go, so uh, how was your day? And, you know, like, I don't know how else to practice, so. What was it like working with broccoli? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Completely, yeah. So it, 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 there's nothing to, there's no way to figure that out un, un, until you just do it. And now we're two years in, and, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm having an actual conversation with Mike Tyson, which is amazingly weird. Yeah. Uh, he's such a tricky guy. Like, all of a sudden, we're talking about, he, he likes pigeons. Oh, and he's talking about how he likes pigeons, and all of a sudden he goes, so wait, stop, stop, just stop. And when Mike Tyson says stop, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop. He goes, uh, I just want to, you know, we're all blessed. <laughs> Let's just think about that and just think how blessed we all are. And I go, okay. 
okay. That's very nice. But what would make you think that from pigeons to how blessed we are? I would be terrified. I just feel like he's got trigger words that you don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Where... <laughs> You're like, you're like, oh, so I was uh, having a bacon cheeseburger. Bacon, bacon that's cheese my words, right? And then you just, I don't know, yeah, I was telling him, he kept like balling his fists up. And he's like, oh, you know, when these pigeons came here, I go, will you please stop balling your fists? Because I am frightened, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at this point, it's like, it's so much fun to have somebody on and just ha talk to them and, and, and have an actual conversation. And you, our goal is to be, you know, we're a very positive show, which is, one of our main goals. That's why we have our, our crew in our office. Everyone's smiling all the time. Everyone's having a good time. Because we figured you worked all your day. You're stressed out. You just want to just go to bed with one laugh. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what we want to do. And that's, we go, thrive to keep it fun every night. It's amazing. I mean, you know, I, I, hear, I hear these stories about television. Like, oh, this set was such a drama. And this person couldn't talk to that person. You're like, you know we're lucky we get to do this crap, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's fun. It's it, it's. Like, again, with the whole, you know, it, I, I never see me getting angry about my job or about this, because I'm so lucky to have this. It's all fun. It's supposed yeah. to be fun. I'm here to entertain. I'm here to make it fun for everybody. It's like, and I love doing it. So that's, uh, that's, that's why I'm, I'm psyched to get this gig. I think I really fit into this world uh, well, because I, I like doing it. And I also, I also kind of want to... I also want to glide that into this topic of uh, you crushed at the Emmys, uh, which was Thank fantastic. You. Thank you so much. That was a big, that was a big moment. That was a, that was a turning point for our show. Yeah. Uh, we had to convince NBC to let me host, first really? of all. Really? Yeah, because the Academy uh, didn't know who I was. Uh, <laughs> I am on a 1230. Uh, so they were like, well, we're not sure who is this guy. And so Rick Lubwin, uh, again, uh, and, and Nick uh, and, and Paul Tolegdi over at NBC, made a DVD to send to him and they put on a big show selling me. And they were like, yeah, well, I don't know. And then finally Lorne uh, made a phone call and, 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 and that was, they were like, well, we still don't know, whatever. And then everyone just you know, begged and begged and we finally got it. And then we're like, all right, now we got it, what do we do? Uh, so we just did the 6B thing on our show uh, with, with Blyden and Amy and, and we go, we should do, because Glee is, is nominated this year, we, we should do a Glee thing uh, and we got to pick the best song. And so we picked Born to Run. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bruce Springsteen. And I'm like, we got to get everybody. Like, when I host the Emmys, I want it to be, because I love television. I'm a fan of TV. I love all types of television. I don't want, uh, so we had everyone from um, Tina Fey, John Hamm. Uh, McHale, I still remember Joel McHale. Joel McHale killed. Yep. He was great. And then we had Kate Gosselin. Yeah, uh, we, we have Tim Gunn, we have, but we, we want to embrace all of television, that is television, that is now, that is what you see, you know, when you watch TV, it might not be nominated, but Kim Kardashian is someone, you know, and she's a oh. pop culture, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, oh. Chris, I'm sorry, have a water, but, what does it, she do, I don't know what she does, <laughs> she's a, I can like show a, you what she does, like a table here. table, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, but, but again, we, we just wanted to make it and, and go out with the vibe like we're going to put on a show and it's like 
the little rascals. It's like, let's get in the barn and put on a show, you guys. Let's, uh, <laughs> you're gonna put on this potato sack, and that's a dress, and then you're gonna, you know, uh, but, you know, Alfalfa can sing, so he can do a song and dance. He can put on a wig. He can put on a wig, exactly. Uh, so uh, that's what we wanted to do, and, and, and we got the opportunity to work with Don Misher, uh, this great producer, and the, the Academy eventually came around, and they were like, they saw how much work we put into the opening. But you gotta see the guest stars we had doing a lot, they wanted to do it all on tape, I'm like, no way, we gotta do it live. We gotta do it. That was live? Well, it's taped into, you can see where it goes into live. Right, okay. And then, what, but I mean, if you're, especially uh, the, the ladies out there, you spend so much time getting ready, you don't wanna be all sweaty and dancing with me on stage before in your big Emmy night when you're <laughs> right. nominated. But God bless Tina Fey and Jane Lynch, just going for it. Uh, you'll see this thing, it's like, uh, it, it just, a lot of people that hadn't seen our show, it gave them a glimpse of what we do and how positive and how fun and how hardworking we are. And I think a lot of people start tuning into our show after the Emmys because of th this performance. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we, ha we have the clip, so uh, let's, let's make it work. It's the Emmy opening. Congratulations on all the nominations. Glee is one of my favorite shows. Thanks. Thanks. Congrats on the hosting gig. Yeah. It's really, it's really yeah. great. Thank yeah. you. Yes. See you guys there? Yeah, we, uh, we're not going. Can't afford it. Yeah, the tickets are like $300. Uh, that's like... It's $1,200, Corey. $1,200. You, you guys have to go. But there's got to be a way to come up with the money. on, bitches. Okay, you guys. So we need a minimum of 10 people to compete at regionals. All right. So me plus you guys, that's five. Great. Figure we need more out. people. Hey, Tina, come join our glee club. Me? Really? You can't sing and dance, right? Not as good as you guys. Perfect. We still need more people. Great dancer. Uh, thank you so much, Kate. But we already have way too many people. Sorry. Okay, we need more people. Hey, uh, look alive. We need Glee Club members. Great. Uh, I'm just working on some sweet new dance moves with my new dance coach. Uh, come on, do the hippity hop. Double down. Yeah, let's get that going. All right, now back that mother up. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Oh, oh I like that. I, what the hell are you looking at? We just need a few more people, then we get costumes, then we pick out what song to sing. Jane, why did you do that? Listen very closely, Fallon. Don't even think about not including me in your pathetic little group. Hey, you can't bully us. <laughs> Join us, won't you?
I still get nervous. I still get, thank you so much. I still get nervous. That one part where it's like, and they're all running backstage, I still get nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't screw up. Like this part of the Emmys, I, the rest I know I can do because we had well-written jokes and stuff like that, but this part was just like shaking. Like, okay, just do this part. It was just so, oh, I, I, even watching know, it I don't even know why they would bother to have another Emmys after that. Like that was, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, side note, could have used you at the Oscars. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, no. What? No. I'm just saying. No, no. I think it would have done a good job. Uh, guys, I think we're going to open the floor for some Q&A, because I'm sure you guys have some questions. Please, yeah. We have some roving microphones in the audience, and if a microphone gets to you, uh, let, that, sure. uh, that, wait. Jimmy, do you want to pick someone? There's too much pressure. Where's this microphone? Either you, sir. Just hand the microphone to whoever raised their hand by you. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's a lady. Oh, all oh, right. Hey. Hi, Jimmy. How you doing? Good. 
I just wanted to know how you get the people, the celebrities on the show, how you get them to do the silly things you get them to do, like beer pong and singing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just now, because we've been on so long, you, we, the, the celebrities know that we're not going to embarrass them. And we're going to you know, treat them with respect. And, and it'll be a fun bit. And uh, it'll be a well-written bit. You know, so I think they trust us. And they're like, what are your ideas? And we can pitch them ideas. And they can always say no. And we can just do a straight talk. But I mean, uh, like Tiger Woods is going to come on this week. And uh, I, pitched him, uh, I pitched him playing miniature golf. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he's going to do it. I'm going to play miniature golf versus Tiger Woods. It's like, cool. Well, why not? That's probably the nicest comedy sketch anyone's pitched him recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to do is play miniature golf? I'm in. I'm yeah, in. That's all it is. Yeah. Not about the other thing? All right. I guess so. Uh, yeah, sure. Wherever the mics are, you, just, you can just hand it to people. Yeah, back there, yes? Hi. Um, how surreal do you feel your life has become? I just tried the ice cream outside that Ben and Jerry's have. And yeah. it's great, but how many shows get their own ice cream? By the and way, I work the... for Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, really, no, it's, it's amazing. I really have to uh, pinch myself. It's a lot of stuff is happening at, at, a, at a fast pace, and uh, I have good people around me, you know, to keep me grounded, I guess. Uh, yeah, do you want to give that mic to the, uh, the, and then we'll go on this side. Hi. Hey. Obviously, you would go through it um, during rehearsals at SNL, but when you would do the news and you would start really cracking up, uh -huh. were you really cracking up? I mean, again? Was it that funny? Whoa. Whoa. I mean. Take care, everybody. Yeah, what was that and on that one. Fine. She didn't mean it. It's no, fine. She, no, she didn't mean it. It's fine. Me. No, I know. Was it that funny again? All right. No, it was really funny. I mean, the night about me. I know. Obviously, I know, Jim. You're doing you great. A fan of me. The weekend update was awesome. Like, of course you should laugh at it. Uh, was it really that funny okay, again? Okay. Would someone please take her microphone? <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I, Poison dart. Well, we only do it like a couple times, so yeah, I do laugh. I mean, it was more me laughing at other people. I know a lot of people said I laugh at myself, but it's more me laughing at either a great joke Tina did. Uh, Will Ferrell would always be the funniest guy ever, and he, he is the funniest human on earth. There's a, there's a thing in his best of where he does a character named Jacob Silge. It, he's a character that he can't modulate his voice, so his <laughs> voice can't go up or down an octave. He just talks like this, and it's a serious disease, Jimmy Fallon, and he'll do that. And I remember it's on this DVD, like an out, it's a, his best of, but I'm laughing, and I'm not on camera. But I'm laughing so hard because it's genuinely, genuinely funny, and he's trying not to laugh so hard that his glasses steam up. With st <laughs> <laughs> and he actually has to wipe. I've never seen it happen. I don't know if that's the, his, he got so hot from not trying to not laugh that his glasses fog up. It's on his DVD, and if you watch it, and you'll see. But we always had fun. We played games with each other. Like he would, he would try to make me laugh because he knew I'm an easy person to break. And we did a scene in a hot tub. Uh, and he, he, he would have his hand on my leg <laughs> under, the, under the thing. And he, he'd be pinching me every time I moved my lips. Every time I moved my mouth, he'd be like, he's a ventriloquist. I was just, and I would just start laughing. Will you stop it? Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so over here somewhere. Hi, I'm such a big fan of your show. Watching all these clips has put me in such a good mood. I just want to tell you that. Hey, thanks for saying that. I hey. appreciate that. Thank You're you. Welcome. You could take a little lesson over yeah. there. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
I just want to know, um, you have so many great sketches. Um, have you ever done a bit that you thought was just going to be like whatever and it's been a big success? Or have you ever done one that's been kind of a flop that you thought was going to be amazing? Oh, man, good question. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, we've done, you never know, like the Charlie Sheen thing, we didn't know that would go viral. That just went crazy. We couldn't stop that. Mm -hmm. You know, history of rap. It was just a, a talk show segment with Justin. We just did it, and, and next thing you know, it, it went super viral. That might be the biggest viral hit of our show. This is this past year, and I got an email from Justin Timberlake in France. He was doing um, um, press for a social uh, network, and he said, dude, History of Rap is on at the cover of this French newspaper. And I'm like, oh my god, they know who I am in France? He goes, no. <laughs> uh, still, it's cool, I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, any other, other questions? Let's get to the front. Yeah, I can, I can just hear you. You can go without a mic. Just talk loud. How about yeah, this? sir. Yeah. All right, well, why don't, how about you? Oh, here is a mic. After the ugliness with Conan and Leno, you and Steve Colbert and also with uh, Craig Ferguson, it's really refreshing to have that kind of friendship between the late night hosts. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the thing with Craig Ferguson happened. Uh, Craig is a funny, funny guy. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, again, I'm lucky to have this job. There's no late night wars. Yeah. Uh, there's no such thing. I, I, don't, I don't have any enemies. I love Craig Ferguson. He's a super funny, super rad dude. This past week, I talked to Colbert, Jon Stewart, Kimmel, I talked to today, um, and Jay Leno. Jay Leno called me after the Charlie Sheen. So I've talked to all, almost all the late night hosts in the past week. Uh, and that's the way I'm going to keep it. It should be peaceful. This is a, we're lucky to have these jobs, and it's fun. Yeah. Keep it fun. I know, I, I, uh, I know, I know, I know Craig yeah. as well, and, uh, and you know, he, he, lo he loves you, and he's always like, I don't know why some of these old hosts have these rivalries. Like, why can't we all just be friends, for Christ's sake? <laughs> that's the worst Scottish accent I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sound like lucky charms. <laughs> there always has to be lucky charms. He's... He, he, <laughs> Hey, talk like this, more of a Scottish brog. <laughs> Britney Spears. <laughs> he, uh, he's, uh, Craig actually just, uh, he called and just said congratulations on the show when I first got the gig, and I was like, what a class act of Craig Ferguson to do that. And I was like, I, everyone should be like that. And I, I remember, like, um, I sent him a bunch of Sean Connery movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> said, hey, let's, let's be friends. And, uh, uh, and then he did this thing that he, he waves a Mickey Mouse hand on the show. Uh -huh. Uh, and he's like, would you wave one back to me? And we will have a wave uh, across networks for one night of peace. And I'm like, that is so cool, yes. Uh, and, and we both wave this giant Mickey Mouse hand. And if you flip channels at the same time, we were waving to each other. <laughs> That's how it should be. It's so fun. That's exactly, everyone wins. Everyone, everyone wins. wins. It's like, yeah, it's like, we don't worry about ratings and all that stuff. Like, sometimes he wins, sometimes I win. Like, it's, a, it's totally two different shows. And we are actually friends in real life. Yeah, sure, right there? Yeah, sure. You, just, yeah, just scream it. We're, bring, we're bringing a mic to you. How you doing, buddy? Hi, um, I'm a huge fan. I, I like want to bottle you up like a jar of Nutella or something. <laughs> oddly specific. Oddly specific. She wants to jar you up like Nutella. <laughs> So she can spread you on oh some toast. God, no, I think that it, sounds awful. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, that sounds great. Like past SNL alums have hosted before. Do you think that's in your future or anytime soon? Maybe this season, next season, anything? I wanted to make sure that our show got off the ground, uh, but maybe, maybe next season. Maybe. Uh, I'd be honored. I'd be honored. We got time for one more question. 
Oh, you know, that, that guy in the Argyle sweater back there hopped up. Yeah. What? I don't. All right, we'll do, we'll do, two, we'll do two more questions. This guy, Page yeah. match, last person standing gets the question. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Go. Uh, Argyle sweater, guy. Argyle sweater guy. Argyle sweater guy, great. Is that? Hi. That's definitely you I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> no one else. The only guy with the microphone standing in an Argyle sweater. You mean this guy in the Argyle sweater holding a microphone, or do you mean me? Wait a minute. Am I the only this? guy wearing an Argyle? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Hey, buddy. I enjoyed your performance in Fever Pitch. Keep doing the movies. Oh, thank you. Um, one of my favorite parts of your show is the thank yous. I was, thank you. That's Who came up with the thank yous, and do you have any thank yous tonight? Uh, Jeremy Bronson, a writer, came up. Like, when you host a talk show, you, you, you dream of having a top ten list mm -hmm. type of bit, or headlines or something. Uh, and you, you dream of something like that, because it's a desk bit, and you go like, oh, that's what we'll be known for. So we, we try something new at least three times a week. It's always something brand new that we've never done before to try to see if we can get something. And thank you notes is just a one-off piece where I'm basically just reading, I'm writing thank you notes. Every Friday we do it. And I'm writing a thank you note to just something random, like, thank you, slow-walking family walking in front of me. <laughs> Please take your time, yeah. And in fact, why don't you spread out, too, you create a barricade of idiots. <laughs> thank you, so, and then, you know, so I just do a bunch of thank you notes like that, and actually, it became a, it became a hit. People liked it, and we do it every Friday, and now we're gonna release a book in May on all thank you notes, which you can read, read them at home. They're funny jokes by, by the writers, and again, it's, it goes, uh, again, a tip of the hat to the, to the writers uh, um, uh, for writing all those really funny thank you notes. It's probably hard to do it every week, but it's kind of like a joke bucket where you just keep adding more and more thank you notes, and, and every Friday I read 10 of them, you know? That's great. Uh, we have uh, maybe two one, more, one, one more over there. Yeah, question, yeah, sure, this lady, yeah, this lady up here. All right, well, we'll get to you. Hi, I just wanted to say I've been your biggest fan since I was nine years old. Um, and, um, so, I was that was like, so that was two years ago, which is great. I feel so old. Yes. Better half of my life. But um, I was wondering, who's been your favorite person to work with on SNL or on the show? And also, are you looking for any interns? Hire us. Hire us. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, well, you know what, uh, we, first of all, if you want to intern for us, go to latenightwithjimmyfallon.com. We have people that you can talk to to really do that. Because, yeah, why not? I'd love to have you guys move to New York and, and work for us. It'd be fun. Uh, we, well, we don't have to pay you. That's what's cool. So, yeah, I, I'd love that. Uh, second of all, uh, yeah, favorite people to work with. I mean, just the cast. I've been lucky to work with great uh, people like, uh, you know, Will Ferrell and Steve Higgins. Steve Higgins, by the way, is our announcer on the show. For, and just to let you know, his real job in real life, he's a producer. He's the main producer of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Every week. That he has a job. Yeah. So we begged him, we begged him to come down. We actually asked, asked him, because Conan had Joel Goddard, the announcer, be in his own booth. He was never on the floor. And I was like, we wanna, I want to have Steve on the floor so that we can play with each other because we have a good rapport. He wrote, Steve wrote Barry Gibb Talk Show with me and uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. We, we've written a bunch of stuff together. Cork soakers. I don't know if you've ever seen that. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. It's so ridiculous. But, uh, um, but anyways, he, so, uh, he just does, he puts on a suit and comes down for like an hour every night. Uh, just because it's for the love of it and for the fun of it. And I think that goes to show how 
what our show is kind of all about. And I, I actually want to go back to that ice cream thing because uh, uh, we had a sketch that we did on the show uh, where we, we were Lady Smith Snack Mombazo. Uh -huh. And it's, it's me and the Roots dressed in dashikis. And, uh, and we just sing about things that we like. So the first we sing like, Hot Pockets! Hot Pockets are so good, you know? So then we did one uh, where it's like, we got Ben and Jerry's. And we're like, ice cream flavors are so good. And we go like, chubby hubby, you know, and we're like, want to lick, psych, you know. Uh, so the awesome guys at Ben and Jerry's call us up and go, we'd love to give you guys ice cream uh, for doing that bit. And we're like, hey, we should do a song about Ferraris. Yeah. Problem with that. No, but it was so cool. So we all, all the writers and, 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 the, and our, 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 our crew and everybody got free ice cream from Ben and Jerry. And we talked to these guys. They're the nicest coolest organization, uh, very hippies from Vermont, they're so rad. Um, and uh, they go, uh, hey, and if we ever could work with you in the future, we'd love it if you'd think of a flavor or something, and we're, everyone just froze. They're like, yeah, we want a flavor? What are you talking about? So we started brainstorming, and we came up with this uh, flavor called Late Night Snack. Uh, we actually were going to call it uh, Balls in Your Mouth. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll tell through? you what. It didn't go through. Uh, we, so you're saying a, a product called Ben and Jerry's balls in your mouth didn't, <laughs> for some reason, make it through the corporate chain of command? <laughs> we had a. We were, oh, I, and they're I, on I the cover. <laughs> We did, a, we did a protest song on the show. I did a protest song about, about the, the, the oil spill and all the tar balls that were floating up on the ocean. So I was like, it went like this. The oil spill, Bobby P has left tar balls all over the sea. So don't go swimming down in the south unless you want tar balls in your mouth. Balls in your mouth. In your mouth, don't swim in the ocean, you'll get balls in your mouth. Balls in your mouth, balls in your mouth, don't swim in the ocean, you'll get balls in your mouth. Just the ladies! <laughs> Just the Argyle sweater guy! Uh, so, anyway, so what we did was, uh, so, uh, uh, Adam from Ben and Jerry's, uh, we, we, we figured out a, a good thing, late night snack. What it is, is, and you're going to find it weird, but we wanted to do some type of chocolate chip, chocolate covered potato chips. And he's like, we can't do that because they're sharp, they're angular, they're not shaped, the thing. I'm like, uh, I'm like people will bleed, we'll talk about it. Um, so then he came back and he goes, all right, we figured it out. We have kettle chips, potato chips, clusters. We made them into balls, covered them with fudge, uh, in, in a vanilla ice cream with a uh, salty caramel swirl. So it's like salty and sweet. And here's what's cool about Ben and Jerry's. Um, all the proceeds, uh, or a percentage of the proceeds, go to fair trade universities. And, it's, and, and fair trade is any farmer, is any farmers out there? Uh, uh, but it's, like, it's, it's for like, you know, um, uh, developing countries to get a fair shot at their farms. It's not a government-run thing. They don't have a giant conglomerate thing. And they want to they be farmers. They want to have a sustainable life. So because of Ben and & Jerry and this flavor, they can go to school. They can have hospitals. They can, it's amazing what they're doing just by basically making balls in your mouth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Balls and, in your mouth is really making a difference. Uh, did you want to just... Yeah. Um, 
the big news about uh, the formerly named Balls in Your Mouth is that Late Night Snack will be available to all of you on the way out. Yeah. Oprah style. Oprah style. You get balls in your mouth, and you, <laughs> you get, get balls, balls in your mouth, mouth and, and you, you get, get balls, balls in your mouth. mouth. I, I'm sorry we didn't get to that, that lady's question, but I, I feel like, Thank you. I, I feel like uh, we, we've come to the end of the program. You guys have been wonderful. Please help me uh, in thanking Mr. Jimmy Fallon for being uh, here. So nice. Thank you. I'd also like to thank the Paley Center for media. Thank you, Paley Center. Thank you guys so thank much. Thank you to NBC. I appreciate thank it. you to Mike Shoemaker. Thank you for having me. You guys were phenomenal. Jimmy thank Fallon, you there. everybody. Hey, hey. Thank you out there. Thank you guys very, very much. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Easy, automatic, unlimited backup for your computer files. Try it free for 15 days at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. Okay. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts